Hello everyone, welcome to a very special edition of Hugh at Home. We have some guests, live guests on the show. So I want to welcome back Rana Bakari. Hello. And new on the show, Charlotte Sitnik. And a very, very dear special guest, Cynthia Fortledge, all the way from the UK. Oh, but you know what? Winnipeg really is your home, right, Cynthia? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Welcome. Well, you know what? It's so nice to have all of you here. And I was thinking, what is the common denominator between all of you? And we're talking about power today. Women and power. And I think all of you have created your own power through your lived experience. And we talk about lived experience all the time on this show. And each and every one of you have a, a very, very incredible story and incredible journey. So we'll start with that to where it's lead, uh, led you now, and then we're going to go into power and how it can make or break us. But I'm going to start with Cynthia, our guest of honor. <laughs> uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. Bring out the tears, bring out the Kleenex. No. No, you, yeah, share your story. And, you know, where do you begin? But maybe let's begin with what you were doing here in Winnipeg and then how you went to the UK. Yeah. Yes, I mean, you know, I grew up in Winnipeg. That is not my place of birth. It was Belfast, Northern Ireland. But it was the troubles during the 70s that drove us away and ended up growing up in Winnipeg. Um, I call that my first transition in life. <laughs> and along the way, um, you know, you just kind of do what you do. You just you work, you create a career, you make connections, and you build your network. Now, of course I did that with this white, male, cisgender, heterosexual privilege to dealing with it, and then I kind of put it all on the line and came out and transitioned in 2016. Um, and then through that journey, um, eventually left me feeling that there was more that I needed to explore that, if you will, I needed to take my power elsewhere to kind of test it. Um, that journey um, in 2020, um, I'd left Canada. I went to uh, Santiago, Chile. Then I went to Lima, Peru. And I ended up, during first lockdown, getting stuck in Medellin, Colombia and learning to live and speak Spanish in order to get by day to day. Um, and that taught me a lot of wonderful things about just the power of being friendly, great old friendly Manitobans, mm -hmm. to take that somewhere else and really see how it connected with people. But, you know, once we were able to get away from a lockdown, um, I knew that my travel year due to COVID was over. And I always planned to go back to England and take care of all my birth paperwork and everything else and get it all sorted, which I did. And along the way... London just felt like home. And so that's where I live now for the last two and a half years. Um, of course, my, my son and my daughter had demands, um, very appropriate demands. That um, I, So I've come back to Canada to deal with birthdays and graduation from law school and, you know, other significant events. So, yeah, that was, um, that's kind of been the short version of the journey. And along the way, I've been very blessed 
to be recognized for just being me and bringing my power to the table um, and using it for the benefit of others rather than the benefit for myself, which was very much the male-centered world mm -hmm. that I lived in. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk uh, in a few moments, yeah. though, about the new career and all of the opportunities that you have created for yourself through your own power. Yes. But I'm going to go now to Charlotte. And Charlotte, you're, why are you giving me that look, <laughs> that surprised look? Well, you're, and your counterpart, at Kirsten, is joining <laughs> us virtually, and she's got a big smile. And you know what? Uh, for anybody that doesn't know Charlotte and Kirsten, like they're, they're two, they come together in, in a pair. But Charlotte is the one here. We're talking about lived experience yeah. and everything that you've gone through as a mom, as a parent, with your daughters has spilled over into this huge proponent for mental health and wellness, and especially family. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting. And in my story, I, I talk often about um, in trying to save my daughter, I actually saved myself because I had to take a really hard look at, at myself and uh, and start taking care, better care of myself and uh, and it was through um, the journey that I talk about in in her mental health struggles that um, I had to take ownership of what was going on in my own world and uh, and and tap in and find my power that we're going to start talking about in not only supporting my daughters but uh, in in taking a, a look at supporting myself too and and from that um, my business partner Robin and I created a pretty phenomenal business out of out of what was a struggle in my family's story and uh, and I know both my daughters are very proud of what uh, Robin and I have accomplished and then and then the spin-off is what Kirsten and I have started um, our nonprofit called All in Family which is supporting families who are struggling supporting family members who have a mental health or addiction um, uh, diagnosis or they're struggling you know just to, to make sense of what is going on in their world and uh, and it's making a difference you know across Canada well actually Robbins and I my business we're working in four countries right now which is pretty phenomenal training peer workers and we're expanding quite rapidly um, into the workplace peer support and taking a look at that and it's very exciting um, lots of new businesses are coming forward and then we're continually doing our, our uh, peer support in healthcare, which was our, our, our big part of our business. But then also the nonprofit is growing at its own, and uh, we're supporting a ton of families across Canada right now. Um, and Chris and I are making a difference in that world too. So wow. I'm, I'm very proud of myself um, for where I came from in this journey. If you had met me 13 years ago, and you said this is what you'd be doing now, I'd be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and uh, Cynthia and I were just reminiscing about, you know, the, the times that we met, you know, over the years because we've known each other for in many different yeah. transitions, right? And and yeah. supporting each other along the way. And, and it's funny how you and I keep connecting yeah. over the years. So That's a blessing. It is a blessing Aww. because you've been part of that. You were part of that narrative when I was trying to figure myself out. And I hope I was part of your narrative when you were trying to figure it out too. So, you oh, know. absolutely. Aww. <laughs> I know. Aww. Aww. I know. I, we feel the love and the power. Oh, yes. No. But absolutely. it's it's a it's a pretty cool, yeah. pretty cool story because yeah. you know we've been catching up over the years and growing and expanding. Yeah. And 
and yes, we talk about mental health a lot, but it's mm -hmm. also pretty cool. No, and and you and I have been part of yes. that too, because you've watched me over the years as I've watched you. <laughs> yes. And uh, I've been blessed to know you in the last few years I know. too. We've become a family. We that. have I think become so. a family. No, and I and I think we all support each other. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I guess you, my lady. I don't even know uh, <laughs> where to start, but yeah, no, um, you know, maybe I'll just, I'll, I'll bring it to like a very personal, not career oriented perspective. Um, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm the oldest daughter of, you know, of five kids, you know, so when I was growing up, I was like a second parent. That's the way, our, you know, culturally we are. And um, so for me, I've always been in, in the position of um, decision-making for our family or decision-making for my siblings or taking care of, of really important decisions at a very young age and I think like uh, many first-generation immigrant families like you're always kind of you're an adult very quickly because you're going with your mom and dad I remember going with my dad many times to translate <laughs> like major major cause we had like a massive poultry farm um, but just going to feed companies or wherever else, and my dad would have me there just trying to translate in, a, in some ways. And, I mean, those are some of the best moments of my life, right, because I learned so much about sitting at those tables um, without being at that table, but just wow. being, being, a, being a vision or being like an, an ear. So, um, you know, and, you know, we grew up, I mean, I'm a, a NOLA girl. I'm a country girl. Someone was talking to me about biking the other day. I was like, I grew up on four-wheelers. Like, don't talk to me about bikes. I don't know nothing about that. But just careless, right? Careless and free. And um, we just don't live in that world anymore. Um, but there are some very pivotal moments in my life, right? So, um, you know, the farm burning down uh, on my grad, my law school graduation, that was a big moment in my life. That was a whole life that kind of was gone. And, you know, there's um, your pictures and all your, your things. And... You know, we've dealt with a lot of personal, um, I wouldn't say tragedy, because I don't believe that it was a tragedy because we we used it as power. Yeah. Um, but there was a lot of things that we had overcome. And, um, and I think sometimes people only see, okay, well, she's a politician, she's a lawyer, she's this and she's that. But, you know, life is hard. Life is hard for everyone. And I think that um, for me... You know, I've just taken every lesson I've ever learned in my life to to legitimately learn from it. Um, and that kind of goes to standing in your power. Like, what does it mean to stand in your power based on the values that you hold? Um, and I think that the last seven years of my journey in law completely changed who I was as a woman. And I think that perhaps we'll talk about that, that age mm -hmm. range between 30s and 40s. I think that they're very... Uh, pivotal moments in in our lives anyways because it is a form of transition right we're we're coming into a different phase in our life and um, we learn a lot about ourselves and we learn how how scary life is because we there's suddenly a lot of consequences right mm -hmm. and um, so that's kind of where I've been but you know obviously I'm a candidate for the mayor to yeah. be, become mayor of Winnipeg which is very exciting and um, of course that was not an easy decision to make and um, you know, and that's the start of another journey for me, you know, and I think that um, all my life up to now has been preparing me for this moment to be able to lead from a place of value and kindness and compassion and empathy and authenticity 
Um, and I believe that that's what Winnipegers deserve. And that's really where I'm at right now. That's all I'm at. That's <laughs> completely where I'm at right now. But it came from such a path. Yeah. You know, it came from a lot of heartbreak, a lot of pain, a lot of hurt, a lot of loss. And, um, you know, I really don't talk about the personal family issues ever, you know, but, but it, I didn't just suddenly appear, <laughs> you know, because, you know, people are like, oh, well, how do you do that? How are you so strong? Well, I mean, like, this is nothing compared to what's already happened, right? So, yeah. And you have a lot of love here. Oh, yeah. I feel it. And I, w I would never, I would never, I think that one of the most powerful things and the biggest blessing in my life is that it's the fact that I have people to lean on and cry to, which I mean, I, I'm quite happy right now. So I'm not, I'm not in a crying position right now, but you know, times come where things get rough and I know that I have people that I can call on and uh, it's it's a kind of support that I may not have ever felt in my life before, so I'm very honored and blessed to have it. Okay, well, now that everybody's shared their story, let's talk about power. How has that changed for you, Cynthia? Well, I think the biggest thing is to realize I didn't have to work at gaining power in a male life. It was just given to me as part of male privilege. and. A lot of people don't realize that it just flows, right? There was no question as to, oh, well, you know, you're moving into this position, you get promoted, and so on. But yet, as a woman, my first experience in the boardroom was the loss of my voice at the table. I had the seat at the table, but I didn't have a voice. And now I needed allies at the table in order to make sure my voice was heard. And so it was really relearning how to be a leader as a woman, um, which is, um, you know, why I went to, um, you know, one of the premier U.S. schools in order to take <coughs> that program for 12 weeks in to look at all of the aspects of what does leadership mean? And for me, it made me much more of a heart-centered leader rather than a mind-centered leader. Wow. And, and that's more important because, of course, as women, we communicate well, we may talk, but we communicate with emotion. Mm -hmm. And it's a very emotional connection. Um, and again, most men don't understand that. They go, well, why can't you just chat? And chatting is an emotional experience for women. And that is what we kind of lean into in order to make the connection. Most definitely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to actually go to our virtual gallery because I want to say hi to Sylvia. Thanks for joining. And Kirsten. Uh, power. Both of you ladies have power, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think so. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Love yeah. it. Sylvia's showing off her biceps. So, okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll, uh, we'll start with you, Sylvia. Power. Oh, man. I spent most of my life um, abdicating it. Not gonna lie, didn't really know what my power was. Certainly did not. I was not raised in a in a home where women had power. I was raised by very traditional German parents. My father was law and a very viciously abusive man, and the rules were absolute. Um, there were no infractions tolerated. There was no gray area. So I, in fact, um, it's so interesting that we're talking about power because when I was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2020 after just a routine mammogram, 
Um, I was dumbfounded because I'm the healthiest person I know, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, physically. You know, everyone in my family has, has died of cancer. Everyone who, who got cancer died of cancer. My parents, uh, several, four siblings, uh, and then myself, and I said I would be the person in my family, and both sets of grandparents, I said I would never be that person because I'm the only one who ever really took care of themselves. So when I was diagnosed, I didn't go public with my diagnosis for uh, about four months. I was diagnosed January of 2020, and I announced it on uh, a radio um, show that I was, I was being interviewed on at the end of April, 2020. And the reason I waited so long was because I, I didn't know what the cancer was for. I didn't understand what the diagnosis was about. And I asked in meditation day after day, what am I supposed to do with this? Because I know this isn't about me fully. It's, there's more to this. What am I supposed to do with this? What, this, what does this mean? And uh, not that I wanna sound delusional, but I got a I got an answer one day in meditation. I heard the words, "You are powerless," and uh, I get goosebumps when I talk about it because it was such a meaningful, pivotal moment in my life. Because up until that time, I had lived my life abdicating power and being a people pleaser, which is one of the reactions to stress, mm -hmm. to chronic stress. It's fawning, and. When I heard those words, I realized that as a child, I was powerless to protect myself. Uh, my mother, most of all, she was my primary. I mean, she was the person I had to protect above all. And I was the baby of seven. So my I appointed myself her protector, but I could not protect her, my siblings, nor myself. So what does that leave you feeling? Powerless. So perfectionism became the antidote to powerlessness emotionally, except it never worked, right? There's no way to, um, to get power by performing. Like it just, it doesn't work. So what the diagnosis of cancer was about was to push me to challenge those words. You are powerless because a powerless person cannot deal with cancer. I may as well have just lied down and said, okay, well, I'm done. And so that was uh, the, the best day of the rest of my life because it flipped a switch in me that had previously never been switched. And I stepped into my power in the biggest way humanly possible and began setting boundaries literally the next day. And every aspect of my life has improved exponentially since then. Wow. Wow. Yeah. We've got one Boundaries. moment. Wow. Yeah, that's, oh, that just made me. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm full Thank of goosebumps when I talk wow. about it because the truth of it is so transparent. Mm -hmm. And all those words, right? Truth, transparency, power, boundaries, they're all words that we've used so often to talk about relationships. Also, Kirsten. You have a great story, too, like Charlotte's, uh, but your power, I guess, you know, maybe is a little bit not so much in your face, but as in, obviously, yes, your lived experience, but the way you tell it, 
the way the way you share a story, you also empower the people that you work with, which is a gift. Mm. Well, thanks for saying that, Tracy. And I still have goosebumps from what Sylvia shared. Um, and and you know that's exactly where my head goes to when I think about power and how power shows up in in my life and my family's life. And uh, and I absolutely have a similar and different story, but really more similar uh, as Charlotte does. And you know when I think of power, um, I spend a lot of time um, supporting families that have a young adult or um, a child of any age, whether that's 14 or 44, really, um, that has a child that's struggling with a mental health challenge and or addiction. And what I didn't know back when that was my story, that I was living in my truth, and it certainly still is my truth, but we've, we've come a long way. And, and I always like to say, my daughter today is living in a place of wellness um, with a significant uh, mental health diagnosis and she's doing awesome. But what I didn't know at the time was that I actually had power as a parent, but I never tapped into it all those years, like all those years. And that's kind of what Charlotte and I shed light on for families we support. Um, and when we talk about the power that a family member has, um, we kind of, what we're really speaking to is they have the power in their own actions and what they bring to the family mental health story. And the amount of families we meet where they're at, where they're so frustrated and, and so um, fractured um, because they're, they're hoping and praying and waiting for something to change with the family member they're supporting, the child. We get them to kind of step back and, and look at the power that they have in their own actions. And that's where it lies. So start thinking about the role that they play in the family story, the role that they play in, in the daily, yearly, or nightly chaos that may erupt. And, you know, a lot of families, that does not even cross their mind. And, and really, that's our hindsight. That's our gifts that, that we share with families. And when we bring families to really to a place that they really look at that and they start looking at how their power lies in their own action, which is the reaction of the child, right? The reaction of what's happening and, and just how they approach that. Um, how, you know, we always talk about being really curious with your, your loved one on, on what's happening and, and the questions and the conversations that you can, can flourish out of that. And that's where the power lies. Um, you know, to sum it up, we have one, one uh, woman that we've been supporting for, for some time and she was in a support group. And she said, hey, you know what? I, I realized if I spent less time trying to control my son and more time time trying to control myself that's where my power lies and that was that's exactly what I think of when I think of power and how it shows up in my life and and uh you know there was a lot of things missing in my family uh, mental health story that was a big part of it being alone no one to talk to thinking I was an island nobody else was experiencing that and that's why uh yeah that's that's why Charlotte and I spend so much time connecting with families um Oh, yeah, now I've given myself goosebumps. <laughs> that's where I think of power. And if we can ignite that in families and, and get and help them change the story um, with their power, that's, that's what it's all about. Well, and it's really interesting. And I guess it's an, an innate thing for females is to nurture and always, like, 
thinking about the others as opposed, you know, I would tend to think males kind of only think about themselves. <laughs> and kind of, you know, maybe, Rana, like, you can kind of yeah. agree or disagree, and then how do you deal with that, especially now that you're in this political forum yeah. and it is predominantly Very, male? Yeah, it's, it's quite uh, interesting. I don't know if it's... Um, I don't know if it's as innate as we may believe it is. I think that um, there's a lot of learned behaviors uh, within families um, that we will treat our young boys different than we would treat our young girls, creating certain expectations um, that they grow up trying to embody, right? And um, I know for me personally, I didn't grow up with a very uh, girl, quote unquote, girly world. Like we were farmers. It was like we were in, like we were all all of the kids, guys or girls, and brothers or us. It was the same work, the same. There's no difference, right? So if I had to like, you know, lift a thirty pound, you know, thing of cases of eggs, my brother had to do it too. And so he, my dad didn't separate between us. So. From that end, in terms of what I knew what I could do, I didn't feel a difference. Like, in my mind, it was never, I couldn't do it because I'm a girl, or I could do it because I'm, I'm whatever. Like, that was never the issue. It was a learned behavior that the more I was in the world, I started to see what the, what the, in the, what the barriers were. So I, I think it's a lot of learned. I think we have a lot of um, barriers that we... Uh, we have fallen into um, historically, and I think it's we're starting to see some of those break down. And I think that's really where, where the where the discussion and decision lies. Uh, are we going to continue to perpetuate, um, you know, gender roles as if it's the stuck, you know, in stone? That's what it has to be, or are we going to accept human beings for being human beings with all their glory, <laughs> basically, whichever yeah. way they look, whichever way they feel, whoever they are in their moments, right? Good or bad, you meet them where they are. Um, and and that, yeah. that's, that's my take on that. That's Sorry. your take on that. But <laughs> that actually is an answer to a lot of the other issues like truth and reconciliation mm -hmm. and, you know, what our indigenous peoples are going through yeah. and other cultures, too, is really breaking down those gender barriers, which would make so much yeah. sense. But who knows when that's going to happen. Charlotte, are we generally soft? And then if we become hard, and I'm talking about females, we end up being... Bitches. Oh, yeah. Oh, you get that Sorry. label. I sure, Sorry. I sure had that one for a while. I hope <laughs> I don't have it as much. You know, it was interesting. I was listening to, Sylvia, your story, and I know it's your story resonated with a lot in my world, and, and, and I know Kristen was feeling it, too. And so I was a fixer, saver, solver, and pleaser. That was all packaged up, and I did a really good job of fixing, saving, solving not only my children, but... Um, my former husband, my family, my parents, my brother, like you name it, I was doing that it. role. And, um, you know, when, when my daughter started to struggle and you had to take a really hard look at, um, you know, back then I was trying to save her. And so all my focus was on her. And then all, I had all these people upset with me now because I had changed the dance. I wasn't there mm. supporting them. And and, um, and it started to have a huge impact on myself. And so when I think of my power, it was when I started to take ownership of myself and put some boundaries up. 
But then I also had to be that um, role model for my daughter because my daughter needed to take, find her power. And when I talk about her power, it was, you know, what was going to work for her mental health and take ownership of her struggles and start figuring out what works for her. And it wasn't until I got control of my own world that I could support her to get control of her world. And, and so, when, and like I said earlier, you know, saving her really had a huge impact on saving me. And that's when I got the bitch label. Because now I wasn't doing for everybody. Oh. You yeah. know? Oh, and, yeah. And it was like, no. And, and, and at first it was hard. And then I found my, I'll call it my posse, my tribe of, <laughs> of like-minded women who were like, no, you can do this. Because when you change that dance, mm -hmm. um, oh, yeah. people are not happy with oh, you. Oh, no, they don't like it. They don't like it. Yeah. And they're like, and you know, lost a lot of friends over it. And, and gained some real amazing supports um mm -hmm. both both male and female because i know there's some incredible men in my life that were like it's about time we always knew you had it in you mm -hmm. kind of like that what that glinda to dorothy you know you always <laughs> had the power my dear you yeah. just had to find it and and then those who just went yeah we don't like the we don't like the new you because mm -hmm. uh, well because they're not benefiting it from anymore totally right totally yeah. Yeah. No. And, uh, and you know what? And it was great to change it for my girls because mm -hmm. when they saw that I could do it, you know, they've chosen um, a similar path. And I, I often wonder what if I, I hadn't done that? Would I have just created a couple more pleaser, fixer, saver, solvers, you know? Probably, yeah. Well, yeah. What an amazing role model for your, for your daughter. That's, I hope that's so. I, I know, I know yeah. Kirsten's a huge one for her girls. Yeah. And, and that's what our hope is, too. And uh, Sylvia, I can imagine that's the same for your daughter, too. So doing my best but I got a lot of years to make up for I didn't yeah. have that divine download until I was how old was I 50 55 <laughs> it's late in the game to show up with hey I'm stepping into my power now not that I didn't you know have moments and bits and pieces I mean I'm a professional speaker who travels internationally that's pretty much stepping into your power and owning your voice, but I didn't do it where it really mattered for my quality of life. Yeah. And so I had, I, I, I try not to live in regret um, because I believe everything happens for a reason and, and there's beautiful order that comes from all chaos. So I, I choose to believe that it's not too late Mm -hmm. And she is one powerful, strong, I mean, I sometimes say to her, I wish I had your strength, but I have a different degree of emotional intelligence in the way I create boundaries. I, you know, I've never been called a bitch. Well, that's not true. <laughs> but, but that was, that was, that was a very special circumstance, but but I'm not, I'm not, a, you know, even if I set a boundary, I will set it with a lot of love and respect. Whereas my daughter doesn't necessarily uh, really care what you think. Yeah. Yep. I'm never going to see you again, right? Like if you cut me off in traffic, I'm probably not going to blow my horn at you and offer you some hand gesture <laughs> when I run into you again and because I just don't do that whereas I'm not saying she would but she might 
and not give it a second thought. Whereas I just don't have that. I, I am not an alpha female. Let's just put it that way. Well, most of us aren't. No. Yeah. You want to see? Well, I was just going to yeah. tell Sylvia that it's yeah. never too late. Yeah. Never. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And, and Cynthia is an expert. I was going to ask you congratulations on your daughter, I believe, graduated from law. Yeah, 25 years old. Oh, congrats. Yeah. So, wow. yeah, it's... Bravo. Uh, in, in British language, I'm very chuffed for her. Um, <laughs> you know, and it's interesting because everybody goes, oh, congratulations. Like, I did anything. She did all the work. She did all the studying. She's gone through the late nights. She's gone through, you know, all the mental stress. Mm. Um, and she found her way through it. And, you know, I, we've talked many times, like, why is she so strong? And she, you know, certainly attributes to, you know, to my ex, um, the other co-parent. But at the end of the day, she says, but the journey you've been through, I've seen how you've been strong through it. And again, when we kind of travel our own journey, sometimes we don't see our strength. Mm -hmm. um, and so for me, I, I get a lot of it very reflective and it's taken a while to own that power own that strength and realize oh this is what I bring to the table this is what I'm contributing and not constantly trying to please trying to you know fill in and uh, along the way it was like oh I'm a people pleaser too <laughs> who, who knew but that's so true yeah. though right when you find what you have right at the table because we've all talked about having yeah, a seat yeah. at the table yeah. and everybody yeah. should have a seat at the table but what we're thinking in our little brains well what do i have to bring to yeah. the table what do i have that could possibly be important and that could possibly people would want to hear and every one of you have done that in spades mm -hmm. so this whole power thing do we need to have power I know that maybe is a double-ended question. I don't know. No, and I don't think I don't think it's a double-ended question. No. I think you're right. I think that we have to stand in our own power. Yeah. Yes. I think that it's not it's not a external power that we're looking for. We're looking for our own internal power. Yeah. Like yeah. so when we stand in our power, then we are basically our whole selves and that is that is where we don't have to give anyone or extend our power. It's just a natural progression. Mm -hmm because we are exuding it, basically. We are full, we're, we're complete. You okay, know, so I, I want to ask yeah. you, a title as in mayor, mm -hmm. you would truthfully stand in Rana Power this as mayor of our city? Absolutely. Yeah. This, I, I, the, the truth of the matter is, is that in politics, it could be the best thing or it could be the worst thing, right? And Everyone around me understands that I am me, in my full power, in my full place. Uh, I am a value-based person. I lead with my heart, um, and that if that that cannot change because I'm whole, mm -hmm. right? Like I'm I'm a complete and authentic human being. Um, I have been inauthentic, <laughs> and I have been unwhole, and people very much saw what the result of that was in a previous political time. Um, I would never go back to that. And at 44 years old, um, I would never take my life back down a path where I didn't get to be exactly who I was. I'm not saying people need to love it, as in 
-hmm. personality wise or whatever else um, but what people will always see is truth and justice and fairness and equality um, and the right thing to do and that is a promise because I, I have to live with myself you see what I'm saying like yeah. it's, yeah. it's my own promise to myself um, and then how we serve how we serve in our own powers is, is the is the benefit of being a true and authentic leader you know you're not really mm -hmm. you're just doing you yeah. and that was stamped and approved <laughs> by my official agent <laughs> I'm a campaign manager well I mean that's so true though in life though and I mean it's probably what you talk about to parents right with their kids it is showing a little bit of people living in their own power whatever yeah. that looks like yeah, true because you know the only person that we have control over is ourselves and once we acknowledge that within ourselves and say you know we talk about you know hey listen this is how I want to be treated or this is this is what I want to be or this is what I want to do and and uh, and then others will support you and if they don't then you find a different tribe mm -hmm. or posse or whatever you call it family and uh, and and that will become the ones who support you along the way mm -hmm. um, and gosh if we were all judged on, on things we did many many oh, years ago come on. I mean, those are all come learning on. life lessons I you know like, no, oh my God. right and and I think I thank think God for cell phones weren't back then thank <laughs> goodness social media. But, I know. but you know you know sorry not to just but I think with power we have to acknowledge uh, perceived failures mm -hmm. Right, and I think what we, as a society, at times do is um, we judge based on past, and we're not talking like two months past. We're talking like seven years ago type yeah. of past, and um, I think that's that's a very detrimental and dangerous message that we're sending to our youth. Uh, we, you know, there's there's generations of, of, of kids to, who need to be able to make mistakes in a safe space. Yeah. They need to know that it's not going to affect their entire employment and I you know I, I always talk about this when with social media and someone says to me okay well you know this 14 year old said something on social media and it's gonna ruin her life forever I'm like are we really doing that people grow people people learn meet people where they're at truly uh, and we yeah. definitely don't want to be destroying careers and families and their future uh, when people do something at 12 or 13 or 15 like they we 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 have to hold people accountable mm -hmm. So that's where the accountability part comes in. Like we don't encourage, obviously, I personally do not, uh, wouldn't stand for, you know, for the racist, sexist, homophobic, and your kind of, like the, the icky stuff. We don't, we don't do that. We would have a conversation. As family, mm -hmm. as society, we'd have a gentle conversation being like, probably not something that you want to do. But I, I would be hard pressed to be like, you know, this person comes to me at 25, and I'm hiring her, and I look at this tweet from like 20 years ago and say, wow, well, I can't have you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. how do we, that's so dangerous. Well, and that's where I think, too, where women are often judged with a harsher lens. Yeah. Oh, and yes. that's where we as women have power to say, hey, listen, just like you were saying, this is something that happened 20 years ago. What did you learn from that experience? Yes. As opposed to, you know, shutting the door and saying, like, I'm not even going to interview it. Yeah. Because I think that's a big part of us as women and mm -hmm. supporting each other and that's where collectively we can have amazing power. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. Well, I know. Go ahead, Cynthia. Well, I was gonna say like, you know, I always talk about the idea of, you know, people being authentic. And originally the term, I mean it's used quite widely within the LGBTQ plus community. But the reality is from the work that I've done over the last six years is 
very few people are actually being authentic. And to me, that's mm -hmm. what Ran is talking about. Mm -hmm. yeah. It is the journey to becoming authentic yes. that we learn all of this, that we make the mistakes, but we don't live in those mistakes. Mm -hmm. And we learn to move forward. And it really is so important, you know, to accept someone as to who they are, not who they were. Because mm -hmm. otherwise we're not moving forward. We're yeah. living in the, in the past. We're living in history. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, ladies, Sylvia and, and Kirsten, agreeing? Kirsten? Uh, it's hard. Know, it's so I, I absolutely do agree. And I, I think the thing that is, is I keep thinking about as I'm listening to everybody is power is not this like massive rock like that falls in the sky and is like, boom. It's not like scary. It's not aggressive. Um, power, like, power is living your truth. Power is being authentic. Power is um, flipping that negative narrative into uh, being your own raving fan. Um, knowing, knowing your value. Um, you know, putting up boundaries, not to be harsh, and they're not big brick walls, but it's just like the little, you know, skipping rope that says, so just let you know, here's how I expect to be treated and what's not okay. And and okay with me um you know power it does not have to be a you know a a, a negative I, we think negative i think negative when i keep hearing often people talk about power but we need to um remember it's that it's that light it's that it's that flame that it's so much it's exactly what you ladies are talking about yeah well, sylvia i was going to ask you power does that that include money because we all know that Women don't get paid the same. <laughs> Cynthia, they're all they're all shaking their heads. <laughs> that's true, um, but I, you know, there's there's oh man, like why do we only have such a short time to talk about this? Because so <laughs> well, we are so going to continue. Layers. There's yeah. video. This will continue. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. So yes, it does include money, but let's remember what money is. Money, money is simply an energy exchange, right? Like it's it's the currency that we use to um, establish people's value, right? You did this and it's worth this amount of money. So it's simply um, a, a, an energy exchange. You know, I don't get paid for everything I do. And I choose to do a lot of things that I don't, that other people bill for, but I do not because I have enough. I don't need excess, right? To me, um, to me, you know, money, I don't associate money and power. I just simply see money as an energy exchange. It's a, it's a, it's a form of energy. And so what I like to see is um, other forms of exchange. If I'm doing a presentation for a nonprofit for nothing, right, for no money, that doesn't mean that I have lowered my own value my, or, or the way I see my own value to say, well, I'm actually not worth anything, so therefore I'll do it for free. No, I expect an energy exchange. Would you book me for a second presentation so I can reach a larger group of people? I will also do that for free. Do you have a national conference you could recommend me to? Could you write a little article in your newsletter and just say, you know, the top three things you learned from the presentation, whatever that is. So I don't necessarily equate money and power, but what I do want to say about power 
is I think there's head power and there's heart power. Yeah. And I think, um, I think when, when, whether you're men or man or a woman and you want to, you know, talk about power and having power, my question is, what do you want it for? And that kind of goes back to your question, Tracy, like, why do we want power? And I think it's very important to ask yourself, I ask myself this, what kind of power do I want and why? I really only want power over me. But when I speak to an audience, I want the power to captivate. Why? Because I want their attention on what I say, because it might change their life. So I think it's important to understand what you want power for and whether you want to use it for good or evil. I view my power in a servant kind of perspective. I have a purpose on this planet. I am here to serve the benefit of others. Yes, I'm here for myself, obviously, but I believe my divine purpose on the planet is to support the well-being of other people. So I need power to do that because I have to captivate them. I have to be wise. Otherwise, they won't trust me. I have to hold their attention. I have to make sense. I have to create hope for them. These are all currencies that are so much easier when you have some sort of power or charisma or leadership or title or whatever that is. But if that ever becomes a head thing, mm-hmm. look at me, yep. look what I've done, look <laughs> yeah. at how much money I'm making, then I'm out. And actually, I believe it will all spontaneously combust the minute I stop <laughs> eating it. Oh, absolutely. But, okay, really so but answer me this. What you said right there, if a guy said that, oh, he'd have all the guys laughing and, and it would be just like, yeah, let's have another drink kind of thing. Like, I think they get away with it. I think it's true for some people, but I'm meeting a lot more heart-centered leaders who understand that if you want to speak to people's hearts don't use your head no yeah you just that there's no ability to communicate with people's hearts from here you can't communicate with your own heart from here (laughs) it's heart to heart and that's it and that's all and i am meeting leaders all over the world that are very heart-centered and they're males a lot of them are males And they actually just, I could cry when I listened to them talk and their care and compassion for their employees Mm -hmm. and for others is beautiful. And I've met many women Mm -hmm. who are bullies in high heels. Mm -hmm. I've had the displeasure of having to work with some of those people who are far more cruel and abusive than any male boss I've ever worked with. Mm-hmm. I mean, we see both, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, I think I think we need to get away from, uh, you know, men are like this and women are like this. Yes, there are some traits that are more common in with you know in women or in men more common, but those lines are blurring daily. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Well, you know, do you want to add anything? No, your your brain is going, yes, 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 yes. I always have an opinion on something. Yeah. Uh, No, I mean, I think Sylvia's right. It's 
you know, if anything that we learned through the pandemic and the lockdown was, you know, that we need to lead more from the heart than the brain. Um, and the path to authenticity, part of it is discovering your vulnerability and being okay with it, oh, right, to bring it up. So, you know, that's that whole idea. When it goes to the head, now we're fighting the demon of ego, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And the ego mm -hmm. takes over, um, and everything that you're doing is feeding it. I always say, look at my, my CV, look at my resume, and if you look at the male self resume, it was completely ego feeding. Mm -hmm. That was it. Yet, my CV now is very much heart-centered in how I'm serving and helping others. And, you know, even my entire raison d'etre of the work that I do is to create safe spaces where people feel they belong. Mm -hmm. Simple as that. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. No, and even what you're doing with the all-in family, you know, it, it's, again, a real holistic way of just really coming face-to-face -face with things, right? Yeah, yeah and uh, I was just thinking that, I was thinking, boy, Sylvia, you and I have another thing in common. It's just, yeah, our, my purpose is um, supporting families, and I just, that's where I'm the happiest, which makes no sense to many people who are ego-driven, mm -hmm. but that is really my purpose and my calling, and, uh, and uh, that's where I feel the happiest, and I guess that's my power too, right? Yeah, so. absolutely. <laughs> it is. It is, totally, and I'm the same way, right? That's that's you kind of just come full circle, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. And I may not have been able to articulate it, but this is exactly what we're talking about, is that my ego does not affect my heart. Like, they're, they're completely separate things, you know? And uh, once you're able to know what your ego is and know what your heart is, they're totally different. Yeah. Your, your path is completely different. You, you, they don't mix and match. And that's not <clears throat> to say that you're not intelligent, you're not competent, you don't have all of the... Because that's the perception, right, in, right. in the political world where they'll be like, oh, well, she's just, you know, naive or whatever they want to say. But no, 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 I'm not. <clears throat> I'm definitely more competent than mediocre men. Let's just put that on the table. <laughs> <laughs> mediocre at best. Um, but, I'm not, but, but again, it's not like a man-woman thing for, for this part of it. I'm sure that there's a lot of guys who, who do lead with their heart. Um, I just haven't come across one in my very... I just don't know. Um, well, Sylvia but, will introduce yeah, you. Yeah, Sylvia, I need some. up. But I guess my point is, is that, you know, there's that, and I don't know if it's, you know, where the world is leading us, and we've been able to see um, how horrific some things are. Like, we can, we can look to the other side of the world. We can look in our own backyard. We can look anywhere and see some very awful mm -hmm. things that you would never want another human being to feel or see or live in. Um, and I think that's a really important part of it is to take off the blinders. Uh, we don't live in rainbows and butterflies world. There are some very tragic things that happen to people. Mm -hmm, yeah. uh, families struggle every single day, whether it's mental health, whether it's a loss of family members, whether it's losing your job, whether it's uh, bullying in the workplace, whether it's you know drinking water that's been whatever. We have a billion and one things, but um, they hurt people as, as, a, as a unit, as a yeah. person. Um, and that's where we have to have that compassion and everything has to come down to that. Yeah. Like, who are we as people? Mm -hmm. who, are, who do we want to be as human beings? And I think that, for me, it's a value system, right? I, wanna, I want justice, I want people to feel good, I want people to feel whole. And you got that down. Well, so you know, that's I'm, your power. I'm, and that's the thing, that that's is my power. power. That's, I just do me, you know? Do you. Let everyone else do whatever they want to do. Uh, 
The authentic you. Yeah. The authentic. Kirsten, yeah. do you want anything to say, anything to add? Oh, I'm just yeah. loving listening to what you all add. And um, I always learn something when I come on here, uh, Tracy. So thank you, all of you. I'm just enjoying the conversation immensely. Uh, well, we're going to wrap things up here. And I guess I didn't share my story, but it's all this and all of the other amazing guests that we've had on Hugh, and you have all given me the power to do this, to have a platform, to have these conversations. It has always been my dream, and part of that, right, is if you've got a dream and a passion, you fulfill it, then you will have your own inner power. And I want to thank all of you, and all of you out there who listen and watch, and, and we're just here just to talk and make sure that everybody else out there is welcome and you're not alone on that note thank you all for joining us on the hue living room and you'll uh we'll see you in two weeks time right here we'll bring the red couch back (laughs) (laughs) do did will the story of people podcast is now available on the crier media network the first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories ready tara sloan from the san jose sharks undercurrent podcast at nbc sports marianne iveson from iveson voice and the let's take this outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. We all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all had. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.